Is this king and 
already set out by the red, by the way to the Red Sea. Go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food and no water. We loathe this worthless food. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. But many of the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord. Take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent. Set it on a pole. Everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. He set it on a pole. And if the serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Choir sings uh, Psalm PLH 65. Congregation joins in at the glory of the glory of God.
But be doers of the word, do not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres, being no hearer who forgets or doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows of their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, 
mercy and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That portion of God's word which we consider this morning the Holy Spirit caused the evangelist Luke to write for our great comfort. Most assuredly I say to you Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Let us pray. From the ends of the earth, I will cry unto thee, O God. Lead thou me to the rock. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead thou me to the rock that is greater than I. Amen. Prayer is perhaps the most neglected jewel and treasure in the Christian church. To estimate its value is impossible, and yet people pass by it as if it were nothing, as if it meant nothing. Many simply mouth the prayers, say the Lord's Prayer, and it doesn't even stir their hearts at all. They think that just prattling on is enough, that it's just a work that they do instead of the soul reaching out and laying hold of God. Because that's what prayer is. It is the privilege to approach the throne of the Almighty God who created you, who formed everything that you see and everything that you don't see, who by his word said, let there be light, and there was light, and by his love said, let us make man in our image, and he did so. And it is the right to approach this God who is justly offended at you because of your sins. Who is justly angry that you would cast him aside. Who is immortal and imperishable and, e and eternal. But created things that rot and decay and pass away but that you can still come before him because he is love and he did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all so that every sin that separates you from God that would make you afraid of him you see die in the body of the son of God made man for you and every sin that you still feel in your life you see erased and gone in Christ's risen body. And every guilt and shame that would make you timid and tell you that you can't approach God, you see spoken away by Christ pleading for you at the Father's right hand. That you can approach the all-powerful, all-knowing, 
God and ask for help in time of need. Boggles my mind. Perhaps that's why we don't believe it as we should, because it's too great. We are going to be focusing simply on prayer today. We have a lot of needs. A lot of you are celebrating having finally finished your course in school, getting ready to enter into the real world. Happy for you. You're going to need a lot of prayer. And so there are a few things that the scriptures teach us about prayer that you would do well to remember and to put into practice. As James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you believe that Jesus is risen for you, that all the sins and the death of which this world is afraid have been conquered by the living body of your Lord, and you not forget it, take that word and put it on your lips and cry out to the God who loves you. First, we must know that God has promised to hear us and it is his promise alone that kindles the heart to give true prayer and make true supplication to God. Only his promise. If you consider anything else, then you will not pray. You will simply mouth the words. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Which of you, having a son, if he asks for bread, will give him a rock? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? He has promised it. He is faithful. God has promised this to you. Take him at his word. Hold on to that word. Try this. And you will find, kindled in your heart, a comfort and a confidence that you couldn't give yourself because it comes from his promise. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Promise. Take him at his promise. Second, and this follows from this, you do not doubt don't give me that, well, I'm a doubter, and I, you, you ignore your doubts. You do not doubt. James says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives freely and without reproach. That means he doesn't say, I'm not going to give it to you. He doesn't reprove you. He doesn't lecture you when you ask him. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, that's confidence, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the, sea, of, of, of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let no man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's a serious thing. If you say, like a cartoon I saw when I was a kid, oh God, if you're up there, the prayer's not going to be answered. If you're up there, there are two things that happen if we doubt we set aside God's promise and doubt. The first is that our mind and our heart will never be still. We will never know he is God. Be still and know that I am God. 
We will think about this and wonder about that, but we won't actually cling to the promise. Second, and this is the horror of it, this is the terrifying thing about it. Someone who doubts prayer, that God will hear him and give him what he needs, insults God and says he's a liar. You are calling the most faithful, steadfast, loving being that there is, the source of all good, a liar, when you wonder if he's going to give you what you need, when you wonder whether he hears you. Is he speaking the truth or not? And that is why you must always cling to this word, ask, and it shall be given. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Our prayer begins with confidence, with faith. Our Father. With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children. So that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children, ask their dear Father. When you say our Father, you're going back to your baptism. We are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus for as many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He brought, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of his truth. And he saved us by the washing of water with the word. You are saying, I am not praying because of anything I have done or not done. I am praying because you made me your child. And if I have walked away from you for years, if I have scorned you and ignored you, yet I am not ignoring you now. Our Father, I know who you are. You gave your son to die for me. How can you not listen to me now? And so you know that God is faithful, even if you have not been faithful. As the scripture says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. It's who he is. Finally, next, and this I just mentioned this, it does not remember this. First, you hold to the promise. You don't let go of the promise. That's where you get the faith to pray. That's where you get the courage to pray, the promise. Second, you don't doubt. Because if you're doubting, you're calling God a liar. And you're adding more sin to it. And third, you get rid of the bad excuses that your flesh gives. And the bad excuses that you're not worthy enough or you're not praying right. I'm not worthy. If you wait until you're worthy to pray, or you got the perfect prayer that you've devised, then you will never pray. In fact, the entire point is that you are unworthy. You don't deserve anything. You believe that when you confess your sins here and receive forgiveness. God doesn't give you things because you're so great, but because he is so great, because he is so merciful. Your prayer doesn't depend on your worthiness or your unworthiness. Your worthiness isn't going to get it answered, and your unworthiness isn't going to get it refused. These are bad excuses that our flesh makes so that then we tremble, and then we wonder, and then we're doubting, and then the promise is gone, and where's the prayer? I don't know. No, we cast those aside. He says, he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will surely give it to you. And we know that if we ask anything according to his will, he will give it to us, John says. This means we have to close our eyes. Prayer, as St. Augustine very 
astutely pointed out, is the, the exercise of faith. Faith is a confidence that what God has said to me is true. It's like that woman who wept at Jesus' feet and washed his feet with her hair. And Jesus said, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. That woman had faith. To seek from God the forgiveness of sins, to expect from him to be merciful to you is to take him at his word, to say that he speaks the truth, to worship him. That is what faith is. It is a confidence that did not come from you, but from hearing a word that came from outside your thinking, outside your understanding, and presents to you Christ crucified for every sin that has ever been committed. He has overcome the world. That's how he overcomes the world, is by dying for its sin. And so you have nothing to be afraid of. And so when you go and you pray, you are doing the word. You are exercising your faith. You are using it. In the midst of all of your anxieties, in the midst of all of your fears, in the midst of a world gone crazy, in the midst of grief that you don't know when it will end, underneath the cross that you think you can't carry, you pray, you exercise your faith, you don't care about your worthiness or unworthiness. You hold to the promise, you don't doubt it, you get rid of all these worthiness, unworthiness excuses. And next, you never set a limit for God. You don't do that. Who's the one who's almighty? Who's the one who knows your every need? Who's the one who knows exactly how to take care of you? Who's the one you need help from? Isn't it the God you are calling on, asking so that it might be given, and seeking that it might be found, and knocking so that the door will be opened to you? You don't say, okay, God, I want this by this time. You don't say, oh, God, okay, God, I want this and this and this and that to happen so that I'll be happy in this. But you don't know. You don't know whether happiness or sadness is good for you at any moment of your life. God does. He does. You're God's children. You're not children of this world. Children of this world think that there's no meaning in life when there's sorrow or sadness or when some challenge is on you or some cross is on you. But to children of God, know God in the cross of Christ. And so when he puts it on you, and you don't have the joy, and you don't have the happiness, and the world seems to be just going great, and your life seems to be in shambles, then you just remember, for we know as children should, that the cross is for our good. That's the entire reason I chose that hymn, even though it was way high and I could barely get those notes there. So we might know that. You don't set a limit. Why would you limit the infinite, almighty God? You can't. That's the joy of it. To know that he will comfort you. To know that he will protect you, no matter what you see. That is the essence of faith. God is strengthening your faith through prayer, by exercising it. This is how it is. You have, let's just look at the forgiveness of sins, faith in Jesus, which is what we need to be saved, to live forever. You have the law telling you and showing you in your conscience and your life everything that you've done wrong, every reason that you should have to be afraid, not only now, but on the day of judgment and on the day of your death. There's the evidence. And yet Christ comes along and says, no, I died and fulfilled that law. And I forgive you. What does faith do? It ignores 
all of the accusations of your conscience, of the world, and it clings only to Christ. Luther once said, it's one of my favorite quotes by Luther, he wrote it for a sermon in the Trinity season. He said, this business of the forgiveness of sins is as if someone were to put a loaded gun to your face and you were to believe and know that everything's okay. That's what it's like for the forgiveness of sins. Many people say, oh, I trust in Jesus, I trust in Jesus, but then the next moment, they're terrified. You may think that you're strong, but let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The devil can at any moment send such a dart into your heart that you can scarcely stand. And we have experienced this in our lives. Therefore, the Christian has no other hope, no other rescue than to cling to the promise of God that he does not count your sins against you because he counted them against his son. And so also, when you meet any difficulty in your life, you have bad health. You are worried about your children. You are worried about your spouse. You are worried about your work. You are worried about, about the country. You are worried about your own, your own abilities. You doubt yourself. You're anxious. Any of these needs, any of these worries, you change all of them into prayers to God. This is what Paul means when he says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and then what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is how it goes. We don't set a limit for God, we trust Him. We know that He will not forget us. We exercise our faith, and we cling to that promise, the promise of the God who cannot lie. David said once, I said in my haste, all men are liars. The reason he said it in haste is because there is one man who didn't lie, and never lied, and never will lie. And that is your Savior, your brother, your Lord, and your God, Jesus Christ. He tells all of you, young and old, not to simply mouth the words, but from your inmost heart, from the bottom of your heart, pour your heart out to him. And whatever you ask the Father in his name will be given to you. I have one more point to make. I'm going to repeat the points so that you remember them. Repetition is the mother of learning. We know that God has promised to hear us. When you want to pray, the only faith that you will get, the only courage you will get to pray a true prayer is from the promise. Ask and it shall be given. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will surely give it to you. Second, you pray without doubting. Because if you doubt, your mind will never be steady and you're calling God a liar. Don't call God a liar. Three, you get rid of all the bad excuses. I'm not worthy. Uh, I'll do it later. It's not going to even... No. You don't pray on the basis of your worthiness. You pray on the basis of God's promise. Finally, the, or the next one, finally is coming soon. We don't set a limit for God. Don't limit Him. 
He is able to, as the scripture says, he's able to give far more than we either desire or ask, he says in Ephesians. Far more. When your heart contemplates this, it grows. Grows and it glows with love for God. He knows what he's doing. He's going to take care of you. He's going to guide you. Cling to his word. Remind yourself of the promises. Often, I'll never even get past our Father. The other day, last week, I was on a walk, and I started praying, and I said, Our Father, who art in heaven. And then I thought of, oh, I thought of the scripture, what, what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. And I thought about what it meant to be a child of God. And I asked God to help me call as children to enter the kingdom of heaven like a little child. Before I knew it, I was already where I was supposed to be walking, and the, I didn't even get to the, I just said, Amen. You know, that's how prayer goes. It's mixed with meditation, right? So we don't set a limit on God. Instead, we contemplate God, who he is, and his great love and mercy for us. Finally, what it means to pray in Jesus' name. God's name is who he is and what he does. We know who he is and what he is, does from the scriptures. Every single petition of the Lord's Prayer, you pray in Jesus' name. Why is God our Father? We are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. What he does, that's what he did. Hallowed be thy name. Well, there's no salvation, there's no name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved through Jesus Christ. God's name is kept holy through Jesus, through his word. Thy kingdom come. Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God has come, uh, uh, is at hand. And then he's crowned king on the cross with thorns, showing himself lord of our sin. And now he's crowned in heaven at the right hand of God, pleading for us. Thy will be done. What did he pray? Thy will, not mine, be done. In the garden, he submitted his will. Give us this daily bread. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. And he is the true bread of life come down from heaven. Forgive us our trespasses. Why? Because Jesus died for them. As we forgive those who trespass against us, Jesus teaches us to love. He teaches us. He alone can move our heart to forgive those who have done us wrong. Lead us not into temptation. I seem to remember him being tempted for us. And he overcame the devil. Deliver us from evil. Isn't he now delivered from all evil, though all evil was born by him on the cross? Amen. What makes it certain? Jesus. That's why you come to church. To hear him. When your faith is weak, and you don't even know what to say, when you hear the words of eternal life and the Holy Spirit moves in those words into your heart, and he casts out all doubt, and he points you to look up, bitten by the snake, see Christ crucified for you, so that you'd have no doubt. And even when your flesh says no, yet the word says yes, and you know and believe that God is going to answer you because he is listening to your heart, to your mouth, I'm going to miss a lot of you. I know I said this last Sunday, but come on, all right? A lot of you graduating. But you know what is a very great comfort to me? Is that you're going to say, Our Father. And I'm going to say, Our Father. And when you say it, you're going to be praying for me and for us here. And when I say it, I'm going to be praying for you. Amen. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Christ is risen.
peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
and also our graduates, our faculty staff. I know that all your parents and loved ones are anxious. And we will pray for time. Let us pray for the whole church of God. Almighty and everlasting God, who are worthy to be had in reverence by all the children of men, we give you most humble and hearty thanks for the innumerable blessings, both temporal and spiritual, which without any merit or worthiness on our part, you have bestowed upon us. We praise you especially that you have preserved for us in their purity, your saving word, and the holy sacraments of your house. And we beseech you, O Lord, to preserve and extend your kingdom of grace, to grant unto your holy church throughout the world purity of doctrine and faithful pastors who shall preach your word with power and help all who hear rightly to understand and truly to believe it. Send forth laborers into your hearts and open the door of faith to all the heathen and to the people of Israel. In mercy, remember the enemies of your church and grant them repentance into life. Be the protector and defender of your people in all time of tribulation and danger. And, we may, and may we, in union with your church, and in brotherly unity with all our fellow Christians, fight the good fight of faith, and in the end, see the salvation of our souls. Lord, in your mercy, you bestow your grace upon all the nations of the earth. Especially, we entreat you to bless our land and all its inhabitants, and all who are in authority. Cause your glory to dwell among us, and let mercy and truth, righteousness and peace everywhere prevail. To this end, we commend to your care all our families and our schools, and pray you to make them nurseries of useful knowledge and Christian virtues, that they may bring forth the wholesome fruits of life. Lord, in your mercy, graciously defend us from all calamities by fire and water, war, pestilence, and scarcity, and famine. Protect and prosper everyone in his appropriate calling. Cause all useful arts to flourish among us. Be the God and Father of the widow, the fatherless children, the helper of the sick and the needy, and the comforter of the forsaken and distressed. Lord, in your mercy. Accept, we beseech you, our bodies and souls, our hearts and minds, our talents and powers, together with the offerings we bring before you, which is our reasonable service, Lord, in your mercy. Grant continuing, continuing happiness to all women with child, and all mothers with infant children. Grant that they may cast all of their cares on you, care for them. They may endure trials and pain, childbirth, with firm confidence in your mercy and steadfast love. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all the students here, all those who have graduated. Grant that they may live their lives for you, who are eternal. They may cultivate their talents even further. Grant them joy and honesty in their work, and a due reward for their labor. Bless them as they travel, and your angels to guard them. Keep them in the fellowship of your holy church. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all mothers, grant that they may rejoice in the gifts that you have given them. May they continue to be examples of Christian love and patience for their children, and always rejoice in the free gift of your salvation, Lord, in your mercy. 
And as we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day before the night comes and no man can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take me, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, took the cup after the supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it upon you. This cup is the new testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. A piece of wood you can before
precious blood of our all satisfaction for all sins. Keep you steadfast in life everlasting. Heart of peace. Amen.
full satisfaction. And steadfast in the true faith, the life everlasting, heart of peace.
With loving kindness and your only begotten Son and to God's love, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. For Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, one forever.